All right, Tabutai, welcome. It's Erev Shabbat. The time is short. But uh, we have uh, some comments to make on Parashat Nassau. <clears throat> it is the longest parasha that we have on record. 176 Pesukim. This will not be the longest shi'ud, however. Uh, we'll just make some <clears throat> some points. And uh, I guess, like they say, Hadran will have to return to the parasha. You can never finish a parasha in one sitting, especially Parashat Nassau. So I guess a good place to start is probably from the beginning. And this is a part of the parasha that most people neglect because it's technical. Nobody likes to get involved with the technical stuff. You know, when you have sota smack in the middle of the parasha, that's something to talk about. But uh, nobody wants to talk about b'nei when you can talk about the sota. Even the nazir is a little more exciting than b'nei but... Uh, it's your lucky day. I want to just talk about the first pasuk or the second pasuk. In order to understand the context of what's going on over here, you need to understand what happened in last week's parasha. Now, you know, we're in the book of Bamidbar. I don't know. Maybe somebody has a better answer than me. I would have explained the Bamidbar means uh, the book of desert. But for some reason, Bamidbar is called the book of numbers. I guess there must be another name besides Bamidbar. Maybe it's called Sefer Pikudim, And therefore, it's the book of numbers. And if you looked at Parashat Bamidbar last week, it's all numbers. A very little narrative, very little storyline. Just a bunch of censuses that are taking place. Moshe Rabbein is going around to each tribe and breaking them down to each family. And he's counting the Jews between 20 and 60. And then they're giving us a number that I think was about 603,000 and change. And then he goes along and he starts to count the tribe of Levi. Now when it came to Levi, we know Levi had three sons. Gerishon, Kehat, and Merari. So those are the three major family heads of Levi. So Moshe Rabbeinu is going to count each family. In last week's parasha, we read about Moshe counting the family of Kehat, which is actually the second of the three sons. Now, the question obviously is going to be, why, why does he start with the second? Why don't you start with the first, Gideshon? Now, that doesn't happen until this week's perashah. Naso et rosh benegirishon. Gam him. Also them. Uh, I don't know. We were, we were told that you have to honor your older brother. I tell that to my siblings all the time. I'm being the older brother. That, uh, that pasuk talks to me. So therefore, I mean, girishon technically is the older brother. So the wise kehat... Yeah, well, he's not the only brother. You have Mirari also. Yeah, but you have only sisters. Yeah, okay, that, 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 you know, technical stuff. So the, the issue over here is, why isn't Gershon counted first? The second question that I had is, all right, we'll give it to you. You must have a good reason why Kehat is being counted first. And I'll tell you the reason. The reason why... The reason why Kehat is being counted first is based on the Midrash. 
Rav Hida brings down this uh, Midrash. It's Midrash Rabbah. It says in the beginning of the parasha, Naso et rosh reshon, hada hu That's what it says in, uh, in Mishle, Yekara hi mepeninim. That the Torah is more precious than peninim, than pearls. I mean, my wife doesn't think so, but let's say uh, outside of her, we believe that that the Torah is more precious than pearls. I think she believes it also. But the point is, what's that got to do with the opening of the parasha? Where do we see anything about the importance of Torah that it's so precious from the words Naso et Rosh Gereshon? So Rafaida explains. Because what is the reason why the Torah in last week's parasha started to count Levi from the second son, Kehat? What happened to Kavod of the Bechor? And the answer is because the, uh, the Avodah, the service, which means the, uh, the work that Kehat did was very, very special. And what was that? He carried the Aaron. And therefore, since the Aaron houses the Torah and the Luchot, there's nothing more lofty than Torah. And therefore, maybe not because of Kehat's, let's say, intrinsic value, are we counting them first, but because of their service, because of what they do. And since they're involved in Torah, and they're serving the Torah, even in a, in, in a transport sense, the fact that they carry the Torah from place to place, the Torah is more precious than anything. And therefore, if it's a choice between, you know, Bechor and the Torah, we're going to give the Torah the precedence. That's why when it says, the Midrash is asking an implicit question. Hey, why, why they should go first? No, that's why it put it first. Very nice. Very nice. But then I ask the following question. I don't have a problem. You want to go put Kehat first because he's carrying the Torah and Torah's going to take precedent? You're right. Which, which would be an interesting question to discuss. I mean, a halakhic question. I know there's not a halakha class, but if, if a person, let's say, had a, uh, a younger brother that was a tamid hakam and the older brother was an ama'aretz. So it sounds like from this, you know, the younger brother that's a tamid hakam gets the, uh, the, the precedent over the older brother. That's a, that means when we say, et l'rabot ha'icha ha'gadol, you know, so long as all things are even. But if, you, if, if your older brother is a, is a ama'aretz, is a tipesh, and the younger brother's got the scholarship, so you maybe got to give it to him. Actually, um, I did see uh, the Rosh in a Teshuvah. Uh, he brings down over here um, a, uh, a question, can a younger brother put his older brother in Nidui? We don't do that today. But in the olden days, when you get angry at somebody, you put him in excommunication. Now, the younger brother was a Tamid Hakam. And he felt that he was being disrespected by his older brother. So Tamir Akhan could put somebody in Nidui for, his, uh, for the respect of the Torah. And uh, the Rosh comes along and says, Yeah, he did good. He holds that. That's not considered an older brother. You're not considered part of Klai's sale once already going against the Torah. Therefore, all bets are off. 
So that's the way the Ross says. Uh, but again, according to this, even if all bets were not off, you could say that Torah might take a precedent over an, an older brother. Okay, you could look at the Hidai goes into that subject. But my question was, if already you're counting Shevet Levi in last week's Pedasha, finish the job. You started with Kehat. And then it ends abruptly. And then at the end of the Pedasha, if you saw there was two words at the end of last week's Pedasha, stay tuned. Stay tuned. To, or TBC. To be continued. And uh, we pick up Pedashat Nassau. Oh, Nassau, we already counted the family. Why, why are you stopping mid, mid-job? Yeah, and don't tell me because, ah, we know Parashat Nassau has to be the longest parasha, so we got to stack the deck with Pesukim over here. So therefore, you know, listen, uh, hey, by the way, I think it still would be the longest parasha. Even if you took away these, you know, what is it? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Even if you took away these six Pesukim of Gereshon, and maybe five Pesukim of Merari, you're still going to have the longest parasha by far. So that's not the reason. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't the RCA, the Rabbinical Council of America. Did that? I'm sorry, I have no doubt about it, but my point is, why did they put it like this? Why didn't they set it up where all these, the topic would be written in one parasha? And that, Abarbanel gives a beautiful answer. Abarbanel says that when you say you have to give respect to Kehat. Because he's carrying the Torah, he's carrying the Aron, he has a good job. So, automatically, it's going to be disrespectful to get Ishon. So the Bible says, is it possible to respect two people? Is it, respect, is, it, is, is it possible to respect two people? So the Abad says, yes, when possible, you should. And therefore, it's true we want to give kehat, but I can respect Gideshon by starting the perasha with him. So therefore, I got both. That means by the time we get the perasha, now so we forgot what's written in Pemet Bar already. Now we start the perasha. Naso don't be the Gideshon. So hey, look at that. Gideshon is the opening act in perasha. Naso. Uh, and uh, but kehat gets his respect also because when we started the process. So therefore, Abad Banel says it's a beautiful. Compromise. Get a show get his kavod for being the mechor as the opener of parashat naso, and the, the, the kehat will get his kavod by being the first to be counted. Now, in get uh, yeah, technical stuff that Natan likes. Uh, in in, if you go back to last week when they're counting uh, kehat, if I'm not mistaken, if you look at the pasuk. If you look at Pasuk, yeah, Pasuk Bet in Perek Dalet, Naso et Rosh Bene Kehat. Uses the word Naso. Over here also, Naso et Rosh Bene Gereshon. Now, when it comes to the next family, the next family is Merari. And what does the Pasuk say by Merari? It's in Perek Dalet, Pasuk Haftet. Bene Merari, the sons of Merari. You don't get a Naso. So it has to be a different. Why, why, why are the first two brothers get a Naso? 
and the third one does not. So that the the two it explains. Lefisha Gerishon Bechor Ukat Nose Aharon Aharon Omer Bayim Lashon Nesiut Rosh, which means since they both have advantages, so we answered that question already. Kehat is Nasoi, he's, he's lifted because he's got the Aharon. Gerishon is Naso because he's the Bechor Merari. Is is kireh mikanu mikan? He doesn't have the aron and he's not the bechor, so therefore it's just a benem. So again, in order to give kavod where kavod is is due, the Torah will use the word nasor in uh, in both of them. So that's um, and that's why also if you make the diuk nasor etrosh benegereshon gamhem by merari it doesn't say benem merari gamhem because. Kehat and Gerishon have something in common. They both have importance, either from Bechor or from Torah, and therefore they have the both words, Naso. Uh, and therefore uh, it says Gamhem. Uh, now, I'd like to make another diuk. Again, uh, technical stuff. No, no. All the Levim, when we're counting them for service, is between 30 and 50. Even Kehat, we did between 30 and 50. When we're counting the whole tribe of Levi, then it's from birth, from a month old. Now, if you look at Gereshon uh, and Merari, those are the ones in this week's Perasha. Look what it says. Look at Pasuk Bet. Achav Kimal. Meben Shiloshim Shana Vamala, from 30 years old and up, Ad Ben Hamishim. So you're counting them from 30 to 50. Tifkodotam, Kol Haba. Whoever comes. Whoever is Ba. Let's go to do service. Okay, look at Merari. Gentlemen from Toronto, I know you came to hear Bible stories, but uh, it's a Parashat class, so you, know, so you came in a lucky day. You got, you got, we're dissecting the, the Parashat. I mean, Bizat Hashem will tell stories about the Sadiqim on Motzei Shabbat. Now look at Benem Merari. Look at Pasuk Lamed. Again, Kol whoever is coming to do service. But if you look at Kehat, last week's Perasha, by the Mirror Shemel Moshe Lemon, Naso et Rosh Bene Kehat, Meben Shiloshim Shanat, Pasuk Gimal, Vamin Hamishim Shanat, Kol Ba Latsaba. Oh, Kol Ba. And the question is obvious. Why by the families of Gerishon and Merari it says called Habba, and by Kehat it says called Ba? Well, you have to know something that we learned in last week's parasha about what they did. Now, their job was to carry the Aron. The only problem is We know that already. I'm not talking about that. How are they going to get it? How are they, they going to get the Aron? They're not allowed to go into the, into the Kodesh. So we learned last week that Aharon and the Kwarim actually have to bring it out. And once they bring it out, then they, they can take it. Where is... Uh, Gereshon and Merari, they're carrying the external vessels. 
and therefore they can go in and actually take the vessels themselves. They're carrying the panels, they're carrying the coverings, all that they have access. So therefore, when it comes to Giddish, Shon and Merari, it says, Kol Habba. Of course, they could come. They could actually go into the areas and take their, their vessels. However, Kehat cannot be Habba. It has to come to him. So therefore, by Kehat, the Lashon is, as we said again, Kol Ba. Understand how we're learning it? Otpam, by Gerishon and Merari, they could go in and get their equipment to carry. So call Abba, go in. But Kihat can't go in. So therefore the two rights. Call Ba, Kihahe, Ba, Lerabot, Shehem, Ma'atzmam, Ba'im. Shehem, Ma'atzmam, Ba'im, Mefarkim, they were able to dismantle. Ava, Bene, Kihat, Shelo, Ayura, Sha'in, Labo, they have to cover everything first before they can take it. They have to wait until something happens and then they can come. Okay, one more, one more difference if I can... Oh, oh so there's another uh, uh, discrepancy here. By Gereshon... What does it say? In Chav Gimal. They reach the age of 30 and 50. La'avod avodah. What's la'avod avodah? To do work. To go to work. By Kehat, what does it say? By Kehat, it says, Pasuk Gimal, last week's parasha, la'asot melacha. Oh. So if you ask, if you ask the people of Kehat, they say, where are you going? We're going to do Melacha. And if you ask the people of uh, Gereshon, where are you going? They'll say, we're doing Avodah. And what's the difference? Why, why by one family it's Melacha, La'asot Melacha, and one family it's La'asot Avodah? It's a big question. And the answer is, well, let's look what they did. What do you think is easier? Melacha or Avodah? Now, I know, Jacob, it's easy to sleep, stay in bed. Not, that's not one of the options. Staying in bed is always easier than Melacha and Avodah, but that's not one of the choices. Melacha is always easier than Avodah. Avodah implies what? Labor. Right. <coughs> Heavy labor. Where's Melacha? That guy's work, but does not necessarily mean heavy labor. Exactly, I can be sitting behind the computer, exactly. Buying and selling stocks. The guy's a day trader. He goes, Menachah. What kind of Menachah is that? Exactly, where's someone in his pajamas? But I'm going to work. What kind of work is that? The guy's in their pajamas, and he's punching numbers on the computer. Then you got another guy. Guy's going to work. Physical works, carrying stuff, doing stuff. That's work. Guy comes home, he's haggard. So that's the difference between an Oved... Avodah and a Ose Melacha. Now let's go back. Did the tribe of Kehat, or the family, I should say, come home from work sweating? Not really. What do you mean, not really? They carried that on. They really didn't. I mean, if you think, you know, trading stocks is not doing Melacha, 
carrying the Aaron is definitely not doing anything because the Aaron actually was going. So actually, you get less tired because the Aaron actually was carrying the Levim. So therefore, when it comes to Kehat, it says, La'asot melacha. Because they were not involved in Avodah. But what was Gereshon's job? They carried the Kirashim. <laughs> the Kirashim. <laughs> those things don't carry themselves, by the way. That's what we call in America dead weight. And even according to the metric system that you guys follow, it's just, just as heavy. So therefore... When it comes to Gereshon, Avod Avodah. Those guys, they, they worked for a living. They actually had to do Avodah. So again, you see, all the words that we have over here are, are accounted. That's the, uh, that's the analysis uh, that, we have, uh, that we have over here. A rabbi, well, that's, that's a, it's a very good question. It's a very good question. Well, I'll, 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 I'll answer. I'll answer you. I'll answer you. A, I'll answer you a, a typical rabbinical answer. It depends. That's that's a, that's a, always the rabbinical answer. You never answer yes or no. You always it depends because you you're always right when you say it depends. If you say yes or no, you can be fifty fifty wrong. So, uh, Rabbi uh, Azulai, I'll answer your question. It depends. Uh, depends what part of the job that is. When it comes to teaching, like I'm doing now, this is melacha. This is a, a, a pleasure. This is a, a joy. This is a, we call a labor of love. This is what, 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 what Benjamin Franklin said, let your vocation be your vacation. So this vocation that I'm doing now, teaching, to me is a, it's a vacation. Uh, Franklin, I think, once said, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's, uh, that's the truth. Now, the part of it, is when you have to deal with the committee. Then, 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 that's, then the laborist stuff, uh, you know, when the committee gets involved and you start having to negotiate with them and deal with all their shenanigans, uh, you know, again, remove the Baal Batim from the equation, it's Melacha. But once, once you get the Baal Batim that stick their two cents into the, uh, into the process, then the Melacha very quickly turns into Avodah. Sometimes even Avodah Parikh, to be honest with you. So that's, that's just my opinion. In practical rabbinics, you know, everybody has to stay in their lane. As long as the rabbi's in his lane and the board is, is in their lane, then they happy life. But what happens is when the, when, the, when, the, when the board leaves their lane and starts to cut off the rabbi in his lane, then it already becomes, uh, you know, t- the tension starts to mount. Let's put it that way. That's, does that answer your question, Rabbi? Okay, it's not going to well, absolutely. That's why I said it. I want them to know that. I want them to know that. I'm sorry for the obvious question, but why was Kehat chosen as the... It's a great question. So it's an obvious question, but it's a great question. Uh, so I, I guess you have to say that Kehat themselves had intrinsic worth. Uh, they probably were the bigger tummy, the hachamim of the family. Uh, and you do see uh, just from uh, who Kehat produced. I mean, Bene uh, Kehat, Amram. And Amram produced Moshe. So there, I mean, so you see. I mean, it's Moshe's grandfather's Kehat. So the, obviously you see that that line was a Torah line as opposed to the other, not to say that it didn't produce great, but uh, Moshe's grandfather. So that, that, that speaks a lot. Okay, now we have... Uh, okay, now we, now we have... Uh, now that we got this out of the way, we can say a Dirash. Now the Dirash begins. You have a question? Yeah, 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's again. So, so that that's that that'll be up to Gershon to turn his avodah into a melacha. Uh, Torah is telling you, listen. In, intrinsically, it's avodah. Now, whether, whether Gershon was uh, whistling while he worked, yeah, that's up to him. And then, and then, then we'll have to ask them. But the Torah is telling you, by nature, the work that he was given is a is an avodah. All right. Now we have. Uh, a beautiful derash from the Meir and the Hakamim. The Meir and the Hakamim, the Rav Ma'astropta, big Tamid Hakam, and he wrote, we have three volumes of this, uh, recommended to Ammam is Meir and the Hakamim. Uh, this is in Mahadura Telita'e, the third Mahadura, and he has in Parashat Shavua, but he has, he has gems. So he's going to take the first pasuk. And he's going to explain it. And he says like this. There's two approaches that we have when it comes to uh, serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Let's say it better. There's two approaches in Emunah. One approach is what we call Emunah Bahakira. Emunah Bakira means it's important to investigate your Emunah. You know, you have to uh, uh, study it and you have to philosophize and prove it and it has to be rational and it has to make sense and you have to make, uh, you know, logical conclusions. You know, uh, uh, you have to use your brain in order to figure out exactly why we're doing these things. Or why are we doing this mitzvah? Why did that show? Who says that there's a Hashem in the first place? Let's, uh, let's explain it. Rashi, that there must be a God. And that's called emunah b'hakira. Using your uh, investigative abilities and your uh, intellect in order to find God through that uh, analysis. Now there's another form of emunah which we call emunah peshuta. Emunah peshuta is, uh, you know, he doesn't really have too much proofs for anything. He doesn't have really an explanation. He can't write a thesis on it. He can't put his emunah under a microscope where you can see exactly, you know, the cells of it, the protons and the neutrons and the electrons, but he, uh, he does it anyway. Why does he do it? Because that's what we do. We're Jewish people. My father did it. My grandfather did it. My great-grandfather did it. That's... Uh, you know, it's emunah b'mesorah. You know, that's the, that's the mesorah. Uh, I, but why, you know, why are you doing it? I don't have to know why. My father did it. If it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. I don't, I don't need to really know why, why we're doing anything. So those two forms over here uh, are both approaches. And which is right? Which is right? So the Rav says, well, both are acceptable. Now, before we decide which is better or which is more appropriate, first he says both are legitimate. You know, he might come up and say, listen, you know, don't get involved. He's not going to say that. And he says, if you open the Amidah, first Beracha, we say, Elohenu ve'elohe abotenu. In those two lines, we're saying two things. Elohenu means my God. What does he mean, my God? I figured it out. I went through the sugya of God, I went through the sugya of Torah Mitzvot, and I came to the conclusion, yes, He is my God. Because I rationally was able to explain it. 
But then we say, But it's also the God of my father. Now, once you say the God of my father, it's got nothing to do with anything. It's because my father did it. So therefore, in the Amidah, we're hinting to us both these approaches. Elokeinu, velokeabotenu. Now, uh, based on this, we explain the famous Midrash. Midrash says that when Moshe Rabbeinu was by his father-in-law, Yitro, the Pasuk says, Vayoel Moshe. That doesn't mean Moshe was a Satmar. Vayoel Moshe means that he uh, made a Shivu'ah to, to his uh, father-in-law. Vayoel is Lashon Shivu'ah. What did he swear? His father-in-law told him, listen, you want to stay here, you want to marry my daughter, you got to make a deal. Yitro was being a typical father-in-law. He told them, a stipulation. Yeah, he put a stipulation on him. Usually the mothers will do that, but yeah, Yitro did that. And what does he tell him? He says, the first boy that you have, you have to give him to Avodah Zarah. The first one you give to Avodah Zarah, and uh, the second one, you can give to God. Esther Rav, hold it. Yitro is going to tell his son-in-law to give his first son to Avodah Zarah. By this point, Yitro already denied Avodah Zarah. By the way, that's why nobody was marrying his daughters, because already by this point, Yitro, Hoten Moshe was, was not over that Avodah Zarah. So why is he telling then his son-in-law that my first grandson, you got to give him to the church. You yourself abdicated the church. So why are you giving him the first grandson? So the Rabbi Irin Achamim explains that's not what he meant. He meant to say, let him come to the truth rationally. Let him figure it out himself. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't give him a crutch and tell him this is what we believe, this is the way Abraham. Is Listen, about it. like I came to it, let him go in the rational, <coughs> the rational way and let him figure it out. <coughs> so Moshe accepted the, the challenge. The second son, he said, no, the second son, no problem. Give me your mesorah. So says the Rabbi Yitzhak, so beautiful. So when Moshe Rabbeinu has to name his children, the first son, what does he name? Gereshom. Gerayiti. Because there's one person that has no mesorah. And who's that? A ger. A ger can't say, yo, my father's drink. You have no father. Ger shenolad kekatan shenolad dameh. Ger shenitgayer kekatan shenolad dameh. Therefore, the ger has no nothing. He has no, no, no history. So therefore, what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, this child over here is like a ger. Meaning, he's got no history. And therefore, since he has no history, he's got to figure it out himself. The name Gedeshom is the perfect name for somebody that's not working on with Mesorah. It's working on his own intellect. The second son, however, he calls Eliezer. Why? Ki Elohei Avi When it comes to Eliezer, no, Eliezer, I have Elohei Avi. I can rest on my father's tradition. And therefore, he doesn't have to figure it out. 
we could just tell Eliezer, listen, don't ask questions. Your father and grandfather did it. So the names of the two children actually indicate the uh, styles uh, or approaches that Moshe Rabbeinu chose uh, for them. Now, now, it should be pointed out. The Rav's opinion is, while Imunah Bahakira has its advantages, its, its disadvantages outweigh its advantages. The advantages of Imunah Bahakira is you can answer people. You know, when the wise guy comes to you and says, oh, you guys, the guy who figured it out can answer. He knows how to answer. So that's a great advantage. And another advantage also is his religion has taste. You know, he's not serving God blindfolded. He understands stuff, you know. It's always, now, even those that have imunah, peshuta, agree that if you could, if you could figure it out and understand it, matuvu manaim. Now, the guy, the guy who has imunah bahakira is a happy camper because whatever he's doing, he's, got, he's, got, he's always got a smile on his face because he tells you, ah, you know what this is doing, why Hashem told us this, why Hashem said that. He's always with the wise and he's got an answer. So that's an advantage also, of course. It's always more appetizing to have your food with salt and pepper than to eat it bland. So the Emunah the, Bahagirah the, the, the guy, his religion has good seasoning. It's got good, good, good ta'am. That's the advantage. The disadvantage is that sometimes the Emunah Bahagirah guy is a very unhappy camper. Because when he doesn't understand it, so he's walking around with a, with a grump. He's a grump. And then he takes out his grumpiness on the religion. He takes his grumpiness out on God. And he says, ah, this doesn't make sense over here. I can't figure it out. I'm not doing it. So therefore he's, you know, he has a, there's a sting. There's, there's a bite to Emunah Bahakira. Where is Emunah Peshuta? Guy's always happy. He understands. To him, there's no difference between Kimuna Ba'em and Para Aduma. It's all the same to the Imuna Peshuta guy. Uh, you know, take the biggest hawk and take the most rational law, to him it's all the same. Which is probably why the Torah put those two mitzvot together and said both those give long life. To come along and say, don't figure it out. You, know, you can't figure out why, why Para Aduma is going to give you a long life and Kimuna Ba'em give you a long life. The explanation is, who knows? Only, only God knows. So the Imuna Peshuta guy. Although he's not the best debater, let's put it that way. You know, you're not, not going to put him in the, in the, in the, uh, you know, the debate with Api Korsim, because all he's going to say, oh, my father said, oh, my father said, I'm your proofs, I'm telling you, A, B, C, D, you tell me your father, your grandfather? That's not really an answer in a debate. Okay, so again, on the debate team, he's not going to make it. But you can rest assured, the Imunah Peshuta guy will make it to the end of the marathon. Hey, you open up with Nebuchim and you open up Aristotle and you open up today uh, today the Hokrim the Hokrim are not the old old time Hokrim that we used to have today the Hokrim became uh, the Hokrim are Kofrim going in yeah so now so, so, so now let's explain so the Rab is going to tell you listen ultimately it, if it's a choice, you have to give the advantage to Imunah Peshuta.
And I once heard from Rabbi Abraham Tversky, he said on the prayer that we say at the end of the tefillah, So the Rav asked, shouldn't it start off, and then the answer should be, why are we answering the question before we ask the question? All right, Tversky gave him mashav. He said, in the olden days, they used to have people that used to excavate uh, the caves, the quarries of the, of the rock caves. Now these are very, very uh, dark, and they're very circuitous and, 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 and curvy roads, and the danger was that they might not be able to find their way out once you get deep into the cave. So what do they do? They go in with a rope, and they lay a rope as they walk in, and therefore, no matter how deep they get in, they always have an exit strategy, because they can just take the rope out. So he says, hakira, you're going into that very dangerous labyrinth, and there's a big danger that you might not get out. You know, when you start philosophizing, asking all these deep questions, you might get so stuck in it that you can't come out. So you need to lay down first an exit strategy. You know what the exit strategy is? I accept God regardless. No matter what they're going to ask, no matter what they're going to tell me, there's God. Now you accept that there's God, that's enkidohenu. No matter what. Okay, now that you accept it and you lay down the rope and the exit strategy of enkidohenu, now you could ask mikidohenu. But if you're going to start with mikidohenu, you might never get to enkidohenu. <laughs> so that's, that's why imunapishuta must come first. And then imunapishuta must come first. That's why he explains in Mahadura Tlita'ev in Parashat Yitro. He has a beautiful piece over here. He says, I'll prove you that you're not going to always be able to explain why we do things. And that God really just wants us to do things because he said. The Matzah is called in Zohar the food of emunah. I think they say there's certain food that's called brain food, like fish oil and yeah, olive oil, brain food, and they carrots, eye food, and there's certain food for emunah. The food of emunah is matzah. That's it. Now, not matzah today, Mars. Matzah on Pesach. On Pesach. Pesach also. Also, but mainly Pesach Rishon. Now, what's the pshat? It's emunah. What type of emunah? We said there's two types of emunah. When's the first time we ate matzah? Don't tell me Avraham Abinu. We ate matzah when in Egypt. Hold it. What night did we eat the matzah before we left? Why don't I understand? The, the reason for eating matzah did not happen yet. I mean, the reason why we eat matzah is because when we left, the dough on their shoulders did not rise. Now, that didn't happen till the next day. So the, the night before when we're eating matzah, what, eat matzah what, what is this commemorating? So therefore, the Rav writes, the matzah that you ate in Mitzrayim is, a, don't ask questions, don't ask questions, because your father told you to eat matzah, eat matzah. That's the matzah of emunah. That 
if you're going to start to analyze, you're going to run into a, a brick wall when it comes to this matzah. The matzah, of course, when we eat the matzah, we say matzah. That's what we say matzah. She'aru ochlim. The day ate. I don't know why they ate it, but when she told to eat it, you don't ask questions. When the doctor tells you to take the, the medicine, you say why. Go to, go to school for fifty years like I did, and then you don't know why. Meantime, pay the copay. They ate matzah mitzrayim. Oh, the Torah doesn't say that reason. The Torah doesn't say that reason. The Torah just says, on the night of Pesach, eat. Eat matzah. And, and, and then it says what? We eat it because why? They didn't rise. So they were, I, I make it even better. To make it better for you. Avraham Abinu served matzot. What are you going to say about Avraham Abinu? He kept the Torah source given. But, but, but no reason for this matzah yet. The matzah didn't happen yet. It's based on a story. It didn't happen. In Absharis, God says, just do the mitzvot because I told you to do the mitzvot. Yeah? Uh, if, I, if, if I attach the story to it, that's to make it uh, palatable to the ear. But it's not the story that makes the mitzvah. It's the mitzvah that makes the mitzvah. Just do it because you're told. I mean, why is God? So now what happens? So watch what happens, doctor. When they get to, when they get to the Pesach Seder, who shows up to the Seder? The Rasha. He, now, he doesn't come happily. He's going to the movies. But before he goes to the movies, he wants to sabotage the Seder. Now you got the Hakam sitting there. You got the. Even the Tom. Okay, Tom is not, he's not a bad kid. She knows that's a special kid. Asha shows up with his jeans, his dungarees, and his t shirt. Comes to the Seder with his, uh, 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 his cell phone. And he tells his father, What is this over here? What's this business over here? So the Haggadah says, in the olden days, before we have, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, different police and stuff like that, when, when parents could be parents, today the kids will call the, the cops on the parents. But in the olden days, when a parent could be a parent, Haggadah says, knock his teeth out. Knock his teeth out. Now, I always thought that's a way of saying punch him in the nose. So in the olden days, we say punch him in the nose, and I guess teeth out. It means clock him. So it's basically saying give, give him a shot to the head. That's the only way you're going to wake this guy up from his stupor. The guy's, uh, guy's drunk, so you got to hit him in the head. But the Me'ir in Hakamim says, no, no, no. You're hitting him in the teeth because that's the purpose, you're hitting him in the teeth. Because he's saying, I only do things. If I understand them, I only do things if what? If they have taste. So he says, you have taste, so you knock out his teeth, because that's where you get your taste from when you taste. You have to bite into the food to get the taste, and then we are telling him, you're not supposed to do the mitzvah because of taste. Remove your teeth from the mitzvah. Remove that element. Just do the mitzvah because you're told. Hey, explain it to me. Just eat the matzah, don't ask questions. So we knock his teeth out, that's your problem. You think that mitzvot are like food. You think that just like you have to taste your food, you got to taste your mitzvot. And if you don't taste the mitzvah, you don't do them. You know, it's one thing to say, I don't like the taste of this food, I'm not eating tonight. But you don't have that option to say, I don't like how this mitzvah tastes, I'm not doing it. So we knock out his teeth and say, that's your mistake. You, 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 you apply the same standard to your mitzvot as you apply to your food. And that's a... That's a faulty standard. 
you know, food might have to have taste. And even food, you're wrong. Because if it push comes to some, you're not going to die because it doesn't have taste. You'll eat it even if it doesn't have taste. All the more so when it comes to the mitzvot. So that's why he says, Hakeh etchinab. It's not the same as punching him in the nose. Punching him in the teeth, knocking his teeth out, is different. Now let's go back. So based on this, based on this, who is, who is the more appropriate of the, of the sons? In approach, I mean. Gerishon or Eliezer? Eliezer. Because Eliezer follows Elohavi. That's why I saw brought down in one of the sefer. If he doesn't bring it down, that when the Biyudan Nasi, when he started Mishnayot, who's the first Tana mentioned in Mishnah? That's stuff from the beginning, Mars. What's, what's the first Mishnah? Moshe Kibel Torah Mishnah. Huh? Moshe. Good. That, that's Perkei Avot. We're talking about the first Mishnah is Berachot. In Berachot it says, okay, but what are you calling Perkei Avot? I tricked you. Of course I tricked you. You, you fell right into the trap. <coughs> the, fir, the first Mishnah, you fell right in. The first Mishnah in Berachot says what? Me'er matai korin et shema be'aravin. Mesha'ash ha'kohanim nechnasim le'echol betrumatam. Devreh? Ad hatzot. Rabbi Eliezer Omer. Ad sof ashmura. So what do you see? The first rabbi that's mentioned is Rabbi Eliezer. Why? Because Rabbi Udan Nasi was coming to say, that's the approach. You got to take the approach when you're going to learn this Torah that we're starting with, and the Ezzet is the approach. Because you're going to read a lot of things, something you understand, something you're not going to understand. Just follow the tradition. Follow what your father, your grandfather did, Emunah Peshutah. And then once you have Emunah Peshutah, then go, go study to, to your heart's desire. We're not, we're, not, we're not saying that it's a mitzvah to be a zombie. And it's a mitzvah... You know, to be, you know, to, to just to, just to, 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 to deprive yourself from understanding. Of course not. But that should not be your, your first motivation. If that's your first motive, you can get into trouble. Your first motive has to be, and the answer, it'll have me. He did understand it. I saw that in Sfarim. I can't call it, but not me. But I did see that. But Davka, they start, now watch this. So over here, over here, Gereshon has a disadvantage. Because Gereshon, you know, you might not find yourself. There was a story once told of a, a rabbi, modern rabbi. And he was, you know, a big hakira guy. He, and he told the students, you know, don't, uh, don't be blind sheep and don't be, uh, you know, hypnotized. Serve God with your eyes open. And uh, so one of the students came to him and said, well, I want to study comparative religion. So he said, by all means, comparative religion, by all means. You know, you should know what the, what the Buddhists do and the Hindus do and, the, you know, all the different... Uh, so he says, uh, but I have hesitations. He 
He says, why? He says, ah, maybe it's going to be uh, appealing to me. So it's a risk. So he tells them, uh, do you fly in an airplane? He says, yeah. He says, I, there's a risk. So you take risks. That was the rabbi's answer. About five years later, the guy comes back to his rabbi dressed as a priest. And he tells him, Rabbi, the plane crashed. <laughs> that's exactly it. So that, that's the sakana of Imunah Bahakira. Yeah, the rabbi should have told him, no, no, first, Sadiq First, work on Imunah Peshuta, and then you can start going, you know. But he, he, he didn't have the fright, he didn't lay down the rope. So he, he told him, start with me, Kilohenu. And, you know, you'll probably get to end Kilohenu. But he never got to end Kilohenu. He should have told him first, you know, work on Eliezer. Then we'll worry about Gideshon. So based on this, uh, the Rab explains the Pasuk in our parasha. tuvan kavanatakra naso et rosh bene Gideshon. Our parasha begins with who? With Gideshon. Now, Gereshon represents which type of emunah? Emunah that has no father. The emunah of a ger. And therefore, naso, you're going to have to lift b'nei Gereshon. Gamhem lebet avotam de mishpechotam. You're going to have to make sure that Gereshon has the element of bet avotam le mishpechotam. Which means, where is the, where is the, look how we look, where is the, where is the emunah of Gereshon found? In which part of his body? In his head. He's the mental guy. So therefore, naso et rosh bene Gereshon. Gereshon has it in the, in the rosh, because he has the answer to everything. So you have to lift the rosh of bene Gereshon, and you have to add the element of what? Lebet avotam. You must put the inyan of emunah, Peshuta, and therefore Elohe Avotenu, then already you can have the Hakira. Naso et rosh benegereshon gamhem, hanu shaharosh shel benegereshon, shehu hakira u machshaba, yuchal laset, liyot lo enyan ba'avodat Hashem, al yedeh lebet avotam. When is the rosh of gereshon valuable? When it's preceded with bet avotam, lemishpechotam. So that's a, a very, very important lesson in, in how to have uh, the proper emunah. First things first. First things first is like it says when we came out of Mitzrayim. We came out of Mitzrayim, the Jewish people, they said a, a phrase in the, in the uh, what do you call it? In the Shir, the Shiratayam. What were they saying? Now, remember we said the advantage of Imunah Bahakira? The advantage of Imunah Bahakira is you can convince other people. So, Ve'anvehu, do we have a, you have a, a regular Oscar homage in front of anybody? You got it? Let's, let's see how that she explains, or the Targum explains. Uh, let's see over there, and where, where is the Shiratayam anyway? What's in Bashallah? 
Yeah, Shalom. Okay. What would I do without you guys? All right, I would answer my own question. So if I'm not mistaken, when it says in the Pasuk of Ezeeli Ve'anvehu, that's Pasuk what? Pasuk Bet. Targum says. Ah, no, Targum. Tukfi Vitushbati. Right. That's that's Ozibism That's the way the Targum explains. What does that she say? Let's see, Zeeli. Zeeli ve'an ve'hu. And that is. Zeeli. Bichbodon nigla alehim. Fine. Ve'an ve'hu. Lashon noi. Ve'an ve'hu. It's beauty. I will explain and extol his praises to the people of the world. That's very good. Says because Ze'eli, what was the advantage of Ze'eli? You could convince others. You're on the debating team. So Ze'eli, the advantage of when you figure out God from your own Sechel, how perfect it is. However, Elohe Avi, but when you have Imunah, which is the real Imunah, based on my father, Elohe Avi, you know what that's based on? Varomemenu. Because God is so great. Imunah Peshuta implicitly is giving a message that what? We can understand God. Varomemenu. Imunah Peshuta says, oh, we don't understand God. You think your, your, your brain is going to be able to figure out what the Gadabar is saying? So therefore, the advantage of Elohavi is we make God lofty and very, very, very high and beyond us. Not everything that the Emunah Peshutah guy believes in has to have a rational understanding. So that is the, uh, that is the approach to the way he explains it. Yes, Rabbi? How do we work on that thing? That's no problem. How do we work Meaning my father did what? The wrong things you mean? No, other nations, other things. My father did this all things. So why is this? It's a thing. 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 It's a, 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 a monumental watershed event like Muhammad Arsinai. Their Elohe Avi is based on, you know, a guy that had a dream. A guy that had a dream and said, you know, but I, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Oh, there were, but there were three million people that said this way, and you're, you're going to contradict it. But, so they, 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 they don't have a, a tradition. No, no, I'm only being hoker to answer your question. You're answering me that, oh, the Guim also have imunah, uh, 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 imunah based on their 
parents believe. But that, 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 that's, not, that's not so. That's not called hakira. That, that's just something. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, everything demands a little understanding. When I say, okay, we're putting on CC to remember the time was on. Hey, hakira, you're being okay. We know the process. You have to. Why? Because they brought me to the world. Hey, I'm okay. I'm not saying you can't be okay on a, on a, on a basic level. When I say okay, it's like what the philosophers do. The philosophers, philosophers come into a classroom, and this, the kids come into the class, ma'aminim. The ma'aminim, b'nei ma'aminim. Now the teacher says, now we're going to philosophy. Now, when, when, when you hear a teacher say, now we're going to philosophy, run for your life. Because <laughs> they haven't let down the escape route. They're coming in right away to come along and create questions. Now, most of these teachers that teach philosophy, their questions are much better than their answers. And the kid comes along and says, you know, I like the question. I don't like the answer. Now he's stuck. And they come along and they say, can God create a rock that he can't lift? That's a trick question. Try to answer. Try to answer. Well, you get stuck. So you say, can God create a rock that he can't lift? Of course. Oh, so he can't do something. He can't lift the rock. So you go, all right, take it back, take it back. No, he can't create the rock. All right, so he can't do something. But you're right. But that question has confused many young minds, and, and they got a whole list of these. They got a whole list of these over here. So therefore, the kid came in as a ma'amin, and after five minutes with this corrupt philosophy teacher, the guy now is a certified inno ma'amin, or at least he's an agnostic, skeptical. That's why you don't start with that stuff. Again, again, we're not. He's not against hakira. He's just saying, so long as your foundation is tzaddik then take a ride. You won't get in trouble because you know your fallback position is always en kilohenu. I have no problem, Rabotai. Again, the rab, the rab is not saying, but, but, uh, but. Uh, and I conclude with this. He does make one uh, disclaimer. I must read. I, mu- I must read his disclaimer that he says in Parashat Yitro, and then I'll conclude with this, and we'll let everybody be on their way. It's eight of Shabbat already. Doctor, that, that, that's, that's why you're a rare type of philosopher and therapist. That's why you, 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 you're in the minority. You're not in the majority. I'm not talking about guys like you. You guys, you sit with five minutes with Dr. Rosenshine, you become a ma'amin. But they sit with the two minutes with the other guys, and they strip you from everything your father told you. A hundred percent. I'm quoting the last point now. Be'emet, mishelochata, if a guy never sinned and the guy never got corrupted, halalu. 
once already a guy sin- and he tasted the ta'avot of this world and he tasted the desire now you can't trust this hakira anymore because this guy over there he wants to eat the, uh, the not kosher food so therefore his hakira now he's not objective anymore don't you understand he lost his objective which is all things equal which means if the guy is a straight thinking objective guy that has no uh, leanings towards anything let him be hokir, he'll come to the truth. That's, that's Gideshon, the son of uh, 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 Moshe. But if you're a guy already, that already enjoyed the ta'avot of Lamazer, not a guy, let me be hokir. You got, you're on the take, you're on the take, you got bribed already. There's no way you're going to see it straight. Your hakira is going to only lead you to say, you can do it, it's okay. So therefore, the Rav says, that's why David this is the point now we're going to say that's why why do we give so much credibility to a Tana of a Mishnah because they had nothing in their brain but Torah so all their opinions and sevarot are formulated from 100% net Torah. So, so therefore their, their, their opinions are pure emet. <coughs> now, take, take somebody else that went to the movies and he saw a couple of TV shows and he surfed the internet a little and he went to a few baseball games and, uh, you know... He, uh, now he's going to give an opinion on Torah. Well, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's an admixture in there. It's, it's Torah with a little Hollywood, with a little MLB, with a little that. And you're getting, so the, 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 the opinion that, that the computer spits out, you can't say it's a Torah, pure opinion. It's a Torah with additives. So that's what he's saying over here. He's saying once already you got tainted, you got bit by the Olam bug, your Hakira is not going to work. The Hakira machine is broken. So he says, <laughs> so he's a shoteh. How can a shoteh be a hoker? <laughs> you got a guy in the mental asylum. Okay, tahkor. He doesn't have the capacity to be a hoker. Maybe careful. You know, a guy who doesn't have intellect cannot be a hoker. So again, even though he said in the beginning of his piece, they're both okay, in the last paragraph, he pulls the rug from under us and says, you know, you can't trust your, uh, you can't trust your hakira today. Because basically, everybody's a dean of a shoteh to a certain degree, and therefore, you know, who says you're going to come up uh, with the right, so look the right conclusion. So look how gorgeous. We start the perasha in a very analytical way, which means nobody would have thought has any practical, you know, musar lesson to it. And it turns out that the first pasuk in the parasha actually has a very, very fundamental yeson, practical uh, item. And it's coming to tell you that the emunah peshuta ultimately is the way to go. Okay, Rabotai, stop over here.